Teen Time Presents Podcast On Demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time Podcast On Demand. This is the Teen Time Science Blog. I'm Neil Chase. The last few weeks have seen some really interesting news from space. So this week, the blog is back in orbit again. The dream for many scientists is to find life on another planet. The problem is that if we are looking for some sort of life similar to our own, then it has to be on a planet that is not too hot, not too cold, and would be able to maintain a water-based environment. The other problem, of course, is that any of these planets would be billions of kilometers away, and so actually making contact would be a problem. But in new findings by the Kepler Space Telescope, there seem to be even more planets that could support life than we had previously thought. Since launching in 2009, the Kepler Telescope has been monitoring a small area of the galaxy and looking at stars that give a small blip in brightness, which hints at there being planets orbiting around them. Last week, a likely 1,200 other planets were identified, and at least 50 of them seem to be about the size of our own Earth. So, although there's still no confirmation that we, as a people, are not alone in the cosmos, our Earth certainly does have company. However, if we do find a planet out there that might have intelligent life, how do we communicate? And would any aliens understand us? Ever since 1974, scientists have been beaming binary code messages out into space in the hope that ET will hear us. But some experts are now saying that those messages are too complicated, and so if the extraterrestrial was of limited intelligence, then they wouldn't be able to understand us. So they are suggesting using standardized frequencies for sending out messages and of a type that is commonly found in nature. Others are saying that we should be concentrating our searches on looking for intelligent machines and not intelligent life forms like us. But as we only have been sending out messages for around 35 years, and as those messages wouldn't have reached any other planets yet, it is still more likely that ET would find us rather than we would find him or her or it. The Hubble Space Telescope continues to send back amazing pictures of space, pictures that are far clearer from its orbit than we can see from down here on Earth. Recently, pictures from Hubble have shown what is probably the most distant galaxy ever seen—around 13.2 billion light years away. That means it is seeing light from a galaxy which was emitted when the universe was a mere 500 million years old, which is basically when the universe was still a baby. The old galaxy only appears as a vague blip on the images from Hubble, but gazing back to that blip is effectively like looking back in time to when the universe was very young, and that is very exciting. But if those numbers aren't bewildering enough, astronomers have made new guesses at how big the universe is and how big the thing might be beyond the universe, which we don't even have a name for. It seems that the universe, which is considered the total of all mass, is about 90 billion light years across. 
but by recalculating how fast the universe is expanding and how far photons have travelled, theoretical physicists think that the universe, or the thing that the universe is in, might be 250 times bigger than that. Of course, all this number crunching is almost useless, as none of the theories can be proved. Also, whether the universe is billions or trillions of light years across doesn't make that much difference, not least to our little lives on this little planet. But at least, the bigger the universe, the more chance there is that we will find other life to keep us company, eventually. I've mentioned the problem of space junk before on the blog that bits of old rockets whizzing round in orbit can damage satellites. There have been many ideas to try and solve the problem, but nothing has started clearing up space yet. But Japan's space agency is working with a company there to develop a new way of catching space junk with a fishing net. The net would be made of super strong threads and would span several kilometers of space. The net would be launched by satellite and collect the various rocket parts and abandoned junk that is in orbit. After that, the net would close up and gradually drop down through the atmosphere, burning up the junk as it goes. Controllers would need to be very careful not to collect still working satellites in the fishing net, but if it does go ahead, then the Earth's orbit could be a safer place to be. Just from a space fishing expedition. I'm Neil Chase, and that's it for the science blog for this week. Read it back again on the Teen Time website, and I'll see you next Thursday with more. Teen Time presents podcast on demand. Log on to podcast.rthk.org.hk. Teen Time podcast on demand. <laughs>